Well, tonight we're on lecture nine. This will be the last of this series concerning what is the gospel that was preached by various individuals. And so we've looked at a number of uh, people that preached the gospel, Old Testament, New Testament, and um, we have one more. And tonight we are going to, on lecture nine, cover what did John the Baptist preach? Surely he got it right. I hope he got it right. Don't you hope he got it right? I mean, he came on the scene and just started a preaching. So hopefully he did a few things right. So to start off with, now, not all the notes or the places we'll look at tonight are in your notes, but uh, just find a blank piece of white paper there somewhere and write a couple of verses in because you need to have them uh, connected with your notes. And turn into your Bible to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah and chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. And um, you'll find that the gospel is mentioned in the book of Isaiah in connection uh, with John the Baptist. And so I want you to see this. And you'll notice in verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 40, it says, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Now look in verse 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. In other words, God is coming to walk the streets. God is going to take upon flesh and he's going to walk throughout the land of Israel. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough Places plain. And then look in verse 5. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. The perfection of God, the righteousness of God, God manifested in the flesh. He's coming. And that's why he says in the book of Timothy in chapter 3, it talks about, you know, God was manifested in the flesh. Well, that was prophesied, and he did come like it was prophesied. Now, you'll notice there's a few verses here that you will find mentioned in the New Testament. And believe it or not, it is in connection with the gospel. But when it says, the voice of him crying in the wilderness, who do you think that is? John the Baptist. Because these verses are used later on to refer to John the Baptist. Now, notice what it says in verse 6. The voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. So when even we read that in the New Testament, in the book of 1 Peter in chapter 1, it's referring to people, but it's using the illustration of the grass. Then it says here in verse 8, the grass withereth. What do you think is withering? It's people. The flower faded. But now look at the last part of verse 8. But the word of our God shall stand forever. Now the word of our God in the New Testament, quoting from these scriptures, is a reference to the word of God, but also to the word Christ himself. Look at the next verse. In verse 9, O Zion that bringeth good tidings. Good tidings is a reference toward the gospel. And I'll show you that in just a minute. 
So John the Baptist came to preach the gospel, the good news, the tidings about Jesus Christ. And look what else he says. The high mountains, old Jerusalem that bringeth good tidings. Mentioned it again. Lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up. Be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Now, John the Baptist saying, Behold your God, is also found in the book of John in chapter 1 when he saw Christ and it says, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. He's referring to Jesus is God. Behold your God. That's where these verses come from. Now, I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Malachi. Malachi chapter 1. Or you might want to call it the book of Malachi. When I first started reading the Bible, I didn't know anything about the book of Deuteronomy or Leviticus or any of those books, you know, book of Job, book of Palms. And then, but I finally learned that she's going to believe everything I'm saying. But now turn to the book of Malachi, chapter 3. Malachi, chapter 3. And look in verse 1. Malachi, chapter 3. And verse 1, where it says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and I, and the Lord, whom ye seek, shall suddenly come to his temple. He's going to send his messenger. This is also a reference to John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist comes on the scene, suddenly the Lord, whom ye seek, shall come to his temple. That's the Lord. Jesus Christ is coming, and John the Baptist is going to be a forerunner of Jesus Christ. And he talks about this. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew in chapter 3. John the Baptist comes on the scene. And notice what he says here in verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, this is where the king comes from heaven to set up his kingdom upon the earth. So the book of Matthew pictures Jesus Christ as the king. He's going to talk about his kingdom. He's going to talk about the, the constitution. He's going to talk about his cabinet. And he's selecting his men. And um, it has to do with the kingdom. So throughout the book of Matthew, you'll hear the phrase kingdom of heaven over and over and over again. Because it's during that period of time, the thousand year reign upon the earth. But now notice what he says. In verse 3, for this is he that was spoken of by the prophet who? Isaiah. And this is what he says. Saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. How do we know that Isaiah is talking about John the Baptist? Because the Bible says so right here. True? So, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and leather girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Both doesn't that sound good? When's the last time you had some grasshoppers? Well, maybe dipped in chocolate. You know. But now notice. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the regions round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, Oh, you wonderful individuals, you are good enough. 
You're the law keepers. You're ready to go. Now he says, who in the world, you bunch of snakes, has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? So the reason we trust Christ as our Savior is because we're fleeing from something. We need to be saved from something. And that's a place called hell. Now, he says in verse 8, bring forth therefore fruits of meat or repentance. Now, in the book of Matthew, when you get to chapter 7, it will also talk about you shall know them by their fruits. False teachers have a false message. And people who believe a false message go to the wrong place. And so that's in chapter 7. When he talks about broad is the way, and narrows the way, and all that, you know, and many and few. So here you're talking about this... Um, Fruits meet for repentance. In other words, you look there in verse 9, and you'll notice the next two words will tell you what the repentance is talking about. Repent means you've got to change your mind. Change your mind. What is your testimony? And how does a false prophet give a false message? by the things that he says. And people believe what a man says. Let, so... You and I are supposed to believe on Jesus Christ, so we change our mind and we put our trust in the Lord. And then notice in verse 9, and think not, because that has to do with the way you think. Because they're thinking something that isn't true. We have Abraham as our father. We're good to go. We're all right. And he says, no, you ain't. In verse 10, and now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees, wherefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewed down. Now remember, we just talked about that Sunday. And we talked about that God is going to cut down all the bad trees. And he's looking for the right fruit. And if you want the right fruit, you've got to have the right root. So it's not a fruit problem, it's a root problem. So everyone born into the world, we're all bad trees because we have a bad root. That's why we have bad fruit. So nobody can bring forth the fruits of righteousness that God's looking for. So that's why everybody's a sinner and everybody dies. But there's only been one person born into this world. And Isaiah 53 says, and he shall be a little tender plant. that He comes from a different root. And he had nothing but good fruit. And that's why when he says here, he's going to cut down every tree that does not bring forth good fruit. See, that's explained more in detail in chapter 7. The scriptures teach itself. If you just read a little bit further and a little bit deeper and put it in its context, and you'll find out that, lo and behold, it's not that difficult to understand. And so he makes a statement here in verse 11, which is where I'm headed. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now, the Holy Ghost is for those that believe. The fire is for those who do not believe. So if you go seeking, I want to get the baptism of fire. Well, you can have it if you want it. I really don't care for it. Because the very next verse talks about the, the wheat that goes into the barn and the other chaff is burned up with unquenchable fire. So no, I do not want the baptism of fire. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, yes. And in the book of Mark, in chapter 1, it explains that even a little bit better. Because he talks about, I baptize you with water, but he that cometh after me shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And he says that I am not worthy to even unloose his shoelaces or take off his shoes. And uh, the one who comes after me. So John the Baptist knew somebody was coming after him. And he knew who it was. And he also says why he was baptizing with water. 
He was baptizing with water because they believed his message about being baptized by the Holy Spirit to all those who believe. So water baptism before Christ came and was crucified and before the Holy Spirit came, they were baptized in water believing they were going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. After we trust Christ as our Savior, on this side of the cross, we are baptized in water because we have been baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. Both saved the same way. They both picture the, exactly the same thing. No difference. Now, I want you to take your, um, your Bible and look there in uh, your notes right there. Where you see in John chapter 1 and verse 29, you don't have to turn there because of the shortness of time. The next day John seeth Jesus. Now Jesus is, he's the Lord. He's Jehovah. Coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So did John the Baptist know who Jesus was? Know that he came to take away the sin of the world? Yes, he did. Now, in the next verse, I want you to see this. This is the lamb that would become a payment. John was an Old Testament prophet and priest that Christ would die for the sins of the world. Remember, Jesus hasn't died yet. He even said this before Jesus began his ministry. Now, in Acts chapter 19, I want you to take your Bible and look at this one because this is very important. What was John the Baptist's message? What did he preach? So in the book of Acts, it will give you this picture. Acts chapter 19. Now you'll notice that there was um, a little preaching going on in the chapter before this, in chapter 18. And the, the last verse, verse 28 of chapter 18 says, For he mightily, talking about Apollos, who had been encouraged and strengthened and guided and uh, taken into more depth into the word of God and understanding, uh, was preaching, he says, For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was just Jesus. No. Jesus was somebody in particular. Jesus was Christ. So it wasn't a matter that they just had to believe that Jesus was Jesus, which some people are teaching today, but that Jesus was Christ, that he was the Messiah. He was the offering for sin. That's what the Messiah was a reference toward. Now look what he says here in Chapter 19 and verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. Now, you can be a disciple and not be saved, and you can be saved and not be a disciple. But he found certain disciples. And these are some of the ones that, um, well, Apollos had been, uh, you know, working with. Uh, I mean, could have been before he got too clear. <laughs> But he found some disciples, but notice what it says here in verse 2. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. So evidently they were lacking in some knowledge. They had been baptized, but evidently didn't know why. Now, is that possible that people can be baptized and not really understand why? I believe there's a lot of churches that are probably full. But now look at this. He said unto them, Under what then were you baptized? Because being baptized is under something. It's a picture of something. It's not to save you, and it doesn't wash your, well, the dirt off your neck if you don't use soap with it. So water will not take away your sins. It wasn't meant to. 
It's just like I've had a, a lot of marriages, you know, performed a lot of marriages. And I've never seen yet where it's the ring that does the marrying. It's a picture that you're married. If you've got a ring, it probably means something. But generally, we take a picture. Everybody would like to take pictures of a wedding. Now, it's not the picture that does the wedding. It's not the picture that makes the marriage. That's a picture of a wedding. Baptism is a picture of something. So whenever before Christ they were baptized in water because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that was going to take place. Not everybody evidently understood that. But look what it says here. In verse 3, under what then were you baptized? And they said, under John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people. Now this is what John the Baptist said. Look at that. That they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. So why were they baptized? Because they believed something. They believed on the one that was coming after him. So John the Baptist preached and told people to believe on Christ. Yes or no? That's what he told them. And even though he baptized, baptism didn't save anybody. It was only a picture of the Holy Spirit baptism. And the picture doesn't save anybody. Now, hold your place right here just for a second. And look in the book of um, John, the Gospel of John in chapter 7. John in chapter 7. Now, this is what Jesus said because of what John the Baptist was doing. When Jesus was here, Jesus never baptized anybody with the Holy Spirit. Probably was here. Nobody was baptized by the Holy Spirit in the days of Christ. That didn't happen until the day of Pentecost. And then Jesus has already been gone. And this was 50 days after the resurrection of Christ. So look in verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said... Scripture is Old Testament. If you'll believe on me as the Scripture hath said. Now he's telling them this in the Gospel of John. So how were they saved in the Old Testament? Same way we're saved in the New Testament. There's not another Gospel. There's only one Gospel that saves a person. Look what he says. He that believeth on me as the Scripture hath said. Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. I wonder what this is. Well, if we read the next verse it might tell us. This spake he of the Spirit, get this, which they that have been baptized in water and keep the Ten Commandments and, you know, obey the law. Oh, is that what it says? Did I misread that? I sure did. Look in verse 39 again. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given. Because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So water baptism that John talked about was something that was going to happen after Jesus rose from the dead. Because nobody up to this point has been baptized by water. But if you had to be baptized in water in order to be saved, but it represented, you know, the Holy Spirit baptism. So you can be baptized in water and still not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now... I want you to 
Go over there with me to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. But 1 Peter and chapter 1. Now, we're going to read some scripture that was mentioned way back there in the book of Isaiah. And I told you, remember this, because this is what John the Baptist was preaching in the book of Isaiah in chapter 40. Look what he says now in verse 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, that means it can't be of the flesh, it can't be something that you will it to happen, You cannot produce it because we're all corrupted. We all come from a bad tree. So there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. Now get this. But of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Remember the thing about the flesh and about the word in Isaiah chapter 40? You've got exactly the same thing right here. And John the Baptist was a forerunner of this message. And look what he says in verse 24. For all flesh is as grass. And in the Old Testament, we know that that word grass refers to people. And all the glory of man as the flower of grass. That was also mentioned back there. The grass withereth. That was mentioned. The flower thereof falleth away. In other words, we're all going to die. But. This is the message John the Baptist was going to preach. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. That's also mentioned back there. And this, this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So John the Baptist had to preach this message. He had to preach the gospel. And it has to do with the new birth. Therefore, John the Baptist did not teach the law in order to be saved. He didn't tell them you have to keep the commandments to be saved. The law was always used just to show a person that they cannot save themselves by their works of righteousness. You're only saved by the grace of God. All right, now take your Bible and look there. In Luke chapter 23, Luke 23, you got Matthew, Mark, and Luke chapter 23. It is important to know this because when we get down to covering all the verses in the book of Galatians, we can only take the time to refer to these things, but you'll already have a good foundation knowing that there is only one gospel and curses any man who preaches another gospel, which is not another. There is no other one. And that all these fellows preach the same gospel. I just got another email today where somebody is trying to Prove to me that the Apostle Paul's gospel was different from Jesus Christ. And all we need is just the writings of Paul. We don't need the writings of anybody else. I believe all scripture is profitable. All of it. And like Paul says, I have not shunned to declare all the word, all the counsel of God. Well, why would he do that? Well, there's no New Testament. He must have been declaring something. It had to be the Old Testament scriptures. When we talk about the Bereans and how they studied and researched, well, what were they studying and researching? Evidently, I think it was the scriptures that they did have. So here in the book of Luke in chapter 23, look in verse 39. In verse 39 of chapter 23, there's these two thieves hanging on a cross. 
And uh, they both railed on Jesus. But one of them, somewhere along the line, he must have saw the light. Because he says, and one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself. Save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. In other words, we deserve to die. We've done all this bad. But him, he ain't done anything wrong. And so he says in verse 42, And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. You know, that one little verse says an awful lot. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. That one little verse also says a lot. An awful lot. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the mist. Now remember, so that means that that thief must have hung on the cross for another three hours after he was told this. But they had to break their legs, but not Jesus' legs, because Jesus had no bones broken, and he had already died. Now look at this. I wrote this in here, and I want you to look at it. Notice how many things that can be gleaned from this small portion of Scripture. Remember now, this is before Jesus died. And how was this man saved? So did the thief on the cross have to keep the law to be saved? Did he make any promises of how he was going to live? Did he guarantee that he would turn from all of his sins? I mean, he's nailed to a cross. I promise I won't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't guess you will. <laughs> you promise to live the rest of your life for the Lord? Well, yeah, yeah how much time have I got? <laughs> no. Look at the statement. The believing thief knew that he was a sinner. He knew that he deserved to die. True? He knew that he was not worthy to enter the kingdom, and that's why he wanted Christ to remember him. He knew that Christ was not dying for anything that he had done wrong. He knew that Christ was the Lord. Because he says, Lord, remember me. He said he knew that Jesus was a king of a kingdom. When thou comest into thy kingdom. He knew there was nothing he could do but trust and believe. That's, what else could he do? Well, he could get down and go get baptized. Could he get down and join the church? He had to go and confess it before other men. No, he didn't do none of that stuff. All he had to do was believe. He believed in the resurrection of Christ when he says, When thou cometh into thy kingdom, he must believe that he was who he claimed to be. And that he was going to come back from the dead. And that he had a kingdom. And he wanted them. He wanted to be in it. He knew that he was going to die. But that he would live forever. He knew that day he would be in paradise. Why? Because Jesus told him. Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. He knew before he died. He was going to be in paradise. And there was nothing after Jesus said that. There's nothing he could have done. To go anywhere else. I like that. He knew before he died where he would spend eternity. He did not have to turn from his sins nor promise that he wouldn't do anything wrong anymore. He did not have to promise Christ that he would make him the Lord of his life to be saved. He did not join a church, pay money, or get baptized. He knew there was nothing he could do that could keep him out of paradise. Why? Because God had given his word. 